Father, um, your word alone can pierce a heart, a hard heart, and soften a hard heart to uh, be open to your word. I pray that those who are hearing this today, even myself, would be convicted of sin. We turn from that sin and come back to Christ. And then that fruit uh, would come out of us and flow out of us to those around us. And we proclaim the truth of your word and not our opinions, our, our feelings, but the truth of your word. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to preach from, uh, you can open to it right now, um, Isaiah 40. So I hope you can either turn it on or open up. Um, I think when you have the Word in front of you, it's easier to, uh, something happens. Um, The way God designed us as humans, if we see it, we read it, uh, I think there's more heart transformation. You'll remember, hopefully, uh, throughout this week and the time to come. I think when we, so Isaiah 40 is right in the middle, uh, basically, of Isaiah's ministry as a prophet of God. I think it's hard, especially even for me, um, all, day, all week long, I mean, I'm working, I'm doing nothing that's really doing with Isaiah and prophecy. Um, I'm dealing with weeds and weed issues and giving farmers advice uh, what to do with their issues. So it's really hard, I think, to jump in right into Isaiah. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of Isaiah and kind of what's going on. And we're going to preach from right at kind of the apex of when things start to shift in Isaiah's prophecy. So Isaiah itself, um, he was proclaiming a prophet um, of Israel. Uh, the first 39 chapters is really all about judgment, and there is some aspects of hope there. And then the last part of Isaiah is all about hope and the new, new Jerusalem, which is to come. So within that uh, judgment, um, they're in a, a situation where they're in exile in Babylon. And uh, at that time, the leaders uh, were uh, corrupt in idolatry. Um, they had a lot of heart issues. Uh, they were not trusting God's word, uh, who God was, or what he said. So they tried to take things in their own hands, which is basically what a lot of sin issues are, and not trust God's word. And uh, so that's what's going on kind of that time. Then, they, then God does free them from that situation. They get back to Jerusalem, their land, and then all of a sudden the leadership in Israel is all of a sudden going back and saying, well, let's get an outside country, the Assyrians, to protect us. Because, well, God won't do it. That's kind of the mindset the leadership is having in Israel at this time. So then they're trying to promote their, their own leadership, their own wealth, and uh, not God or his word and not trusting in that. So God says, well, I'm going to show much more judgment to you. I'm going to cut Israel down, but there will be a stump, a stump of Jesse, the line of Jesse, uh, the elect that will survive. I will be faithful to them, and um, we need to look to through it. So the large part of the, the part we like talking about in Isaiah is towards the end, uh, proclaiming there is going to be a new Jerusalem, a Savior coming, the King Jesus, who will come to redeem his people, uh, Jew and Gentile, and uh, in this new Jerusalem, there will not be any more crying, no pain, no suffering anymore, no COVID anymore. It's all going to be done. So that's what they're portraying, and, and the, the people of Israel are not, not trusting God. So, and, and of course, God's judgment on them would be the Assyrians who come back and take advantage of them. Instead of protecting them, um, they uh, basically go back into exile um, during that time. Um, Yes, so that's kind of the basics of Isaiah. And what we're going to do is we're going to jump in. So in chapter 40 is when God comes in and wants to portray his comfort towards his people 
and uh, who he is, um, who the God that uh, they should be following is, and his, who his word, what his word is. So starting out, um, I don't know if you have your, in your notes. Um, so my main text is going to be Isaiah 46 through 8. Then I'm also um, going to get a, a, br- a brief overview of uh, Isaiah 49 through 31. We're not going to read that. Um, but I'm going to give you a brief overview. Because I think if you don't see the God who wrote the Word, you won't trust the Word. So just like any author today, I mean, there's a lot of books out there. So if you don't trust the author, you're probably not going to trust what he says in his book, right? Right. So same thing with the Bible. Um, as a renewed heart, you got to see who God is. So this list, I'm, gonna list, I'm just going to list out to you the qualities of who God is, God of the Bible. And a lot of this, I kind of made my own, uh, how I wanted to word it myself, and not the way ESV words it. And I also kind of took some of this from the Message Bible, which is just uh, another man's uh, interpretation, translation, not from the Greek, so I wouldn't study from it. But it can be helpful to kind of get your head grasped around who this God of the Bible is. So Isaiah 49 through 31. So it's behold your God, meet the God who wrote the word. So this God is who gently cares for his people like a shepherd cares for his flock. This caring God is also a God who can scoop up the ocean in his hand. Is also a God who can measure the heavens between his thumb and little finger. Think about that. Billions of galaxies. We don't even know where they're all at. He can measure it between here and here on his hand. Think about that. He stretched out the heavens like a canvas ready to paint. So when he created, he's just like a, a painter. Nice, clean canvas. He created it all. He painted it all in his beauty and his wisdom. He has placed each star in its place. So as he, he painted out, as he created he, each star, he placed itself. He knows how many there are, called each by name. So we don't even, we keep naming stars. We don't even have a clue. Um, but God does. Put the earth's dirt in, the, in, in his basket. He can take all the dirt of the earth, trillions and trillions and trillions of pounds, in a basket and carry it. That's how big he is. He can sweep up the sand of the earth like he is sweeping the floor. Just think about even one beach. Trillions of pounds of sand sitting there. He can sweep that away while he's dust off your floor. He can weigh each mountain. Think about Mount Everest, the Rocky Mountains, even the Black Hills. How many trillions of pounds are sitting there? He can weigh that. He knows exactly how much that weighs because he created it. He has created everything you can see or imagine. All the trees of the earth wouldn't provide adequate fuel to give offerings for his worship. Think of the trees even the Black Hills has. I mean, we don't have a lot around here, but somewhere that has trees... That's a lot of wood. The nations are on drop in a bucket to them. So many nations think they're something. They're nothing. They're not even a drop of water in a bucket. You can't even see it. He needs no education. No one, no one told him ever how to do anything. He was, uh, we're always looking on YouTube, how do I do this? How do I do this? We're nothing. He has never told... He's, he has never been told how to, anything works. Again, YouTube. I'm always on YouTube. How does this work? Again, he doesn't need that. He has never needed advice. We're always asking for advice. Sam, what do you think about this? Scott, what do you think about this? Or your kids. Mom, what do you think about this? Or you want them to say that, maybe, possibly. He is true justice. He never had to learn about justice. 
He didn't have to write about justice. He knows what justice is. He is justice. He is incomparable. Nothing compares to Him. You know how hard it is in a sermon to compare God to anything? It's impossible. You can't illustrate God unless you go to His Word and then present what His Word says about Him. The powerful of the earth count for nothing. They have no say in what God does. Earth's leaders uh, shrivel into nothing when God blows on them. They're nothing. They can blow them away. Atomic bomb is nothing compared to what God can do. God never gets tired and fades as we do. So this is the God we need to trust. The God who never is tired or weak as we are. So right at the end of this, so we're kind of going backwards. Right at the end of this, in Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, you can look at this. I'm going to read this. So right after God proclaims who he is through the prophet Isaiah, in starting in 29, let's read this. So he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, after that, you just want to like, wow, I can do anything, Christ. Right? Let's just go run off that cliff. But we know wisdom, we, we need a parachute for that. But in that same sense, you just feel like you can do something radical for God. It could be going to the nations. Or it could be something as radical as sharing the gospel with your coworker. Or instead of, which I'll get into this uh, later, instead of proclaiming something that's not going to actually change something, let's proclaim something that will change something. All inspiring word of God. So again, this is figurative language in Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. Uh, of course, you will get tired and weak as physical human beings. But if you are trusting in God, you will always be ready to do what God has foreordained for you to do. Whatever, whatever duty he has here on earth, whether that be working at the bank or the school or whatever that would be, you can glorify God in that. And he will uh, on earth uh, with cheerfulness and hope. Because we have hope, just like Isaiah was proclaiming to those in Israel at the time, there is hope for the new Jerusalem. There's not going to be all these issues, that this insanity that we're surrounded by today. Because we have been restored, those who believe, have been restored by the power of God, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9. through We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because God will not leave us in this state that we're currently in. He's renewing us day by day in sanctification, but also there is a new Jerusalem. Of course, there will not be any issues spiritually, physically, mentally. Because who became a good, who, he who, became, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This will, this crazy misery will end. So looking at the second point here, proclaim what that, my second point is proclaim that we are fading and withering away. So we all have a heart problem. We get blinded by the cares of the world and don't gaze upon the wondrous word because we forget who the God of the Bible is. The God of the Bible I just proclaimed to you, that Isaiah proclaimed to Israel in Isaiah 40. We get bogged down by the insanity of the world around us. What is this insanity that I might be talking about? You probably have in your mind some thoughts right now, I'm guessing. Um, you could just fill in the blank. So Isaiah is proclaiming 
what the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. But then what do we want to proclaim, usually around our coworkers, even maybe church members, our neighbors, right? What, what's going on right now? Politics, right? Maybe not politics, maybe it's, I want to proclaim Fauci, or I want to proclaim science, because it's going to save us, right? No. Temporarily, maybe, maybe it's a temporary saving. Maybe I want to proclaim Trump, re- republicanism. This, this is very convicting to me when I'm doing this, because, I mean, I, I want to go get a Trump sticker and put it on the back of my truck. I mean, wonderful, sounds great. I want to be known as the Christian, not the, the Trump supporter, even though I might vote that way or vote more of a conservative route. Or I want to proclaim Biden, maybe. He might save us from our issues. Or maybe I, want to, I just want to follow the Democrats because they got the answers. They'll solve us. They'll write the check for it. It'll be paid. Do you really think these people are the answer to all the problems of this day or age? Are they like our God? The God that I just read about in Isaiah 40. Are they like that God? No. Not at all. I've never heard, uh, I even, I, lately I heard a talk show host, a conservative one, it was supposed to be conservative, say that he is the beacon of truth in this day of age. Beacon of truth? What truth? If you're not proclaiming the word of God, it's not truth. It could be true things that could be true in this day and age. That's not eternal truth. For either whatever political side you're on, we're all sinners. And it doesn't matter. I mean, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. And if we're going to be saved by grace, etc. So I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, because I know you might be thinking this. Um, I think we should honor our leaders. We should pray for them. We should respect them. Um, I think it's okay to talk about it. So I'm saying, what is Isaiah proclaiming versus what we are proclaiming mostly? God has sovereignly put us in a country that we can vote. So he has given us a little bit of authority. Um, Scott, we were talking about this yesterday, so he, he gave me this, this advice. So yeah, so we've given a little bit of authority in this country. We can vote. It might just be one vote versus millions. But we can vote and put somebody in office that has God-like uh, values, uh, biblical values, even though they're not perfect by any means. Um, but we should trust, we should thrust the message to others around us. What should that be? So what's the message we are thrusting from our, our being? Who are we? So if your coworkers come up to you and ask you, or you ask them, what's the main message you think I'm proclaiming to you in our friendship or um, at work? What do you think they would say? It's actually very interesting. I did that at work. Because you can really gauge how you are being portrayed at work by, of course, because from the mouth, the heart speaks, right? So we should be known as, we should not be known as just a Republican, but as a Christian, a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching man or woman. Because that's the only one who's going to solve any of these issues long-term. The New Jerusalem. So we should be known for how to win. We should not be known for how to win a debate with a Democrat on policy. We might like doing that. But we should be known as preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For from the mouth of the heart speaks, as I said, do not follow what Israel was doing. They were doing the same thing. Let's trust our leadership. God's word, that will fade, right? No. And God definitely showed judgment upon them for that. 
Living in America will not bring everlasting peace for us. Only be, it only will, only being born again in Jesus Christ will bring peace between us and God. So again, don't get me wrong. Um, I think we should vote. That's God given. I think we have an ability to do it, so we should do it. But what is being proclaimed first off out of our mouth? Is Dr. Fauci God now? I don't think so. Some of you might agree with that. But. Okay, let's read Isaiah 40. So now we know who the God is, that the true biblical God is, that we should worship, that we should honor, that we should go after. And what about his word? So Isaiah 46 through 8. A voice cries, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows it on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So in verse 6, so the voice cries. So this, this idea of crying in, in Hebrew, it's uh, like making a proclamation loud and clear that this has weight. This is worthwhile. You should listen. It has impact. Because the prophet of Isaiah, like other prophets, are God's instruments. They do speak on themselves, but they are, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Same as Paul, who went about proclaiming the word as the prophets did, because he knew it was necessary that he proclaim the gospel loud and clear. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 9, he has to do this. He can't do anything else. He must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah asks, so it says, the voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? So Isaiah is asking, what's the message should I make loud and clear? And God says, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. So he repeats this over and over again. And then he says, then when the, so it's like you don't get it enough. Then he says later, again, surely people are like grass in the seven and eight. The grass withers and the flower fades. He wanted to make a point over and over again. He knows how hard-hearted uh, his people are, or even non-believers. So as we, as we think of this, our bodies are weak, wasting away physically, mentally. I see you strapping 20-year-old men out there. You think your muscles are rippling, you have no issues, you can do anything? I used to think that. God will humble you, it will come. Ask these people, 50s, 60s, 30s. I felt it. You think, I was, you think you're something? You're nothing. Physically, mentally, you will waste away. So when we are in our, uh, our prime, we may look at the beauty, beautiful flowers that we think we are. We look in the mirror. I used to be one of those guys in college, you know, weight and lift. You know, mirrors everywhere. Think you're something. In the fields, so you might think you're looking at a beautiful flower in the field, but later that luster, that beauty quickly fades, passing away. To boast about our splendor is a lie making your flesh an idol. So thinking about, uh, this is South Coast, so grass. So usually cool season grasses in your yard. Um, they like the spring and fall because they're cool season, not in the middle of August, end of July when it's dry and hot. They get crispy, right? The wind blows on them, they're done. Unless you water them a ton. 
And then it's nice and green and lush. Or you look at the flower, like we have this, uh, I think I pronounced it right, peony bush, I think. I asked Emily how to pronounce it. Peony bush. It's, uh, it, looks, it looks great, right? Most of the time of year, it's just a green bush. And all of a sudden, it puts out these huge flowers, I think in, like in June, maybe early, late May. And then usually what happens within a week, or less than a week, a few days sometimes, a big storm comes by and just blasts it. And so it looks good for about two days, and all of a sudden, then the rest of the year, it's nothing. you got withering little flowers, and I have to cut those off, and it's just a green bush thing. So just like those flowers, we are fading. We're not going to last. We might look good now, or you might think you look good now. Just wait. We will fade. Or there's people in town that have, they put out, why do we put out flake flowers? If I can say it, fake flowers. Why do we put out flake flowers? Because they always look good all the time. It's not reality. Reality is they should be wasting away. I saw somebody in their, I don't want to offend them, but I mean, I saw somebody put fake flowers in their flower bed in front of their house. Why? It's a portraying a non-reality. It's not true. It's like Botox or whatever else you want to do. Makeup. It's a lie. I'm not saying you can't wear makeup, but I'm just, I'm just saying it, makeup is a lie. It's not who you are. Men out there, look at these pictures of women struggle with lust. It's a lie. They Photoshop that. And you meet the person later, and they're like, wow. So, genuineness. So, live in reality. The prophet Isaiah is revealing the false confidence in the flesh that Israel had by indulging in flattery of themselves and then drags them into the presence of God. And God blows on them, reveals their frailty, uh, how frail they are here in this passage of Isaiah 40. For as soon as God breathes on them, they will perish and decay. They're nothing. They need God. They need to trust His Word. It's also true that this is also could be referring, there's debate, um, also as a spiritual weakness of His people. Uh, our bodies are weak and wasting away spiritually as well. Apart from His Word, if we're not feasting on His Word, we're going to fade away. And if you truly fade away, then you're never, never born again anyways. So, Walk in the Word. Apart from God and His Word, we will walk in, in. Apart from God and His Word, we will walk in immorality. Uh, we will be spiritual unstable in all our ways. The flesh is given opportunity will take you away from God, like the plant. You think about the four soils, like the plant who is put amongst the rocks. It springs up really fast, like weeds in a crack in your driveway. They look really good, and then as soon as it gets hot and dry, they're done. Because the root system is not there. It gets scorched by the wind, the hot, blazing wind. Or you think about the other plant that's planted in possibly good soil, but it's surrounded by weeds, the cares of the world, the seedless of the world. It looks healthy, and then the weeds take over and then scorch it out. Drown it out in weeds. And of course, that, that weeds choke out the word, and nothing but unfruitfulness, fruit, unfruitfulness comes of that. The life that we need is found not in the fading flesh, but in the unfading, changing word of God. I hope I'm making that clear. Uh, in 1 Peter 1, 23-25, actually Peter uses this passage in, uh, in 1 Peter 1, 23-25. He's talking about the unfading, so why should I love others, is his context here. Um, because we have been uh, born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. 
And he repeats, for all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This word has the ability to pierce through you all the way to your hard heart, transforming you into likeness of Christ, Christ's likeness. The seed that you have is imperishable. It won't fade. So we're talking about how you've been saved, born again by the abiding word of God. It won't fade. It won't wither away because we who believe have been born of God. We have been born again, unlike those of imperishable seed who have been born of the world and stayed in the world and not in Christ. So I hope this is clear now. You see the point Isaiah is getting at. These people are in exile or they've trusted another country to save them and not God and his word. And I think we do the same thing when we trust a nation that America will not last forever. Even if the liberals take over, they're not going to be the cause of it all. It's going to be the downfall of sinful men. If we're all walking in Christ and like Christ, this country would be a lot better off. Of course it would be better off because then eventually we'll have the new, new Jerusalem where that will not be an issue. That's all we will be doing. So in verse 8, the, ga- the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So what is he referring to, the word of our God? It's the whole Bible, the complete revelation, the whole plan of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. He's referring to all God's promises, God's plan of redemption, of his chosen ones. His elect will be saved and kept till the end. Because you've got to remember, we are wasting away. God's word is eternal. It's not wasting away. What is man's life? We are a mist that appears and then vanishes. So during this election cycle, this happens every four years, unfortunately, um, we have to go through this, and usually the news, you turn on Fox News, Jesus is seen, uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Trump is seen as Jesus almost. In some spectrums, you turn on CNN, NBC, Trump's the devil. So there's a lot of lies out there. Some are true, some are not true. But what is true is God's word. Our leaders are sinners. They have issues, obviously. We see them all over the place. The gospel is what we should be proclaiming. That's the word of God. The plan of redemption. So I call you Christians to remember the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. The gospel is God, the creator of all things. May the heavens and the earth, holy, righteous, apart from sin, can be in the presence of sin. He's worthy of all worship and he will punish sin. He's a God of justice. But man, us, we humans, we are all people. We were created good in the fall of Adam and Eve. So we are born in sin now. From birth, all people are alienated, separated from God, hostile to God, and subject to the wrath of God, apart from Jesus Christ. But God, being rich in mercy, right? Sent his son, be born of a virgin, who is fully God and fully man, live a sinless life that we can't live, but he did. Fulfilled the law of God completely. You only get something. Read Leviticus and then you'll think it's something. Died on the cross to bear God's wrath in the place of all who would believe in him. His redeemed. His chosen ones. And he rose again on the third day. 
Because that proved he was God. And it proved all the promises that this Bible is full of was fulfilled there. We know it's true. All based on Jesus Christ's resurrection. Because Jesus is king. He reigns and will come back to judge. Judge and he will separate the wheat from the tares. It will be time of mourning. But at this time, right now, we are at a time of grace. If you're still breathing, God has a plan for you. And if he calls you in, if you're attracted to your word, it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart to come to God and repent and believe on Jesus Christ. So God calls us to respond. And of course, that response is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you do. He wants everybody to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus in order to be saved. Not of your own works. Not of your boastfulness of an earthly leader, but of Jesus Christ. So Revelation, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, there's many, is Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And, the, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. How beautiful. So the Spirit of God says, Come. Do you come? And this also says the bride. So the bride is the bride of Christ, the church. So he's saying the bride of the church will say the same thing. He's saying to sinners, come. That's our duty. The Spirit says, come. The bride says, come. So will you come? So when the Lord comes, it will be too late. There will, be, there will come a time when repentance is impossible. But that hour has not yet come. And until that day, the Spirit issues an invitation through the prophets for men everywhere to come. The church re-echoes, like I've been saying, the invitation saying, come. Those who hear and, and heed the invitation add their voices saying, come. So let the church heed this message. The church's message is come. Proclaim the gospel and say, come. And if they do, it's the word of the Holy Spirit. Nothing you do. We're just proclaimers. And in conclusion, he says at the very end of this verse, I'll, I'll read it again, and let the one who is thirsty come. So if you're thirsty, that thirst is initiated by the Holy Spirit, not by nothing you do. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Without price, not with price. It's free, freely given to us. The Son of Jesus Christ who came to die for sinners. To drink the true water of life, not the water well, you will need to come back again to. So this is my charge to you Christians. That over the next few months, really until you die would be better. I charge you to do that. Look to the truth of God's word that Isaiah proclaimed and rely upon God and his eternal plan. Because this world of insanity will end. The new Jerusalem will come. God will come back to judge the wicked. New heavens and earth will come. No be no more crying, no pain anymore, no suffering. The King Jesus is going to come and restore those whom he has called. Because that's why you need to look to this God, the God of Isaiah 40 that I, I preached on. Remember that first page I went through? Trust in his word that does not fade away and is not weak and is never wrong. Unlike the world we live in. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for being a God 
um, that we can trust, that is bigger than our problems, bigger than this world, bigger than our leaders. I pray that you'd work through our leaders, um, that they would follow you in your word. You put people, uh, men in their, their uh, area of influence to proclaim the gospel to Trump, um, to whoever is our leader in the future, that they would repent and believe in their sins, and they would uh, put forth uh, laws that are honoring to you and not for their own political value, but for your, for your value and the, the furthering of your kingdom. I pray that the church uh, would not be a beacon of uh, whatever the headline is on the news, uh, whatever issues that uh, those at work are talking about, but that we would turn those conversations into good, into the gospel. That, the, that through the gospel alone, things will change. Government programs won't change things eternally, but um, only your gospel will. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.